Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan, and I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. What's up, 10 o'clock? How you feel today? Hey, let's get to this. If we hadn't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Ryan, and I get the privilege of being one of your pastors here at the Brick. And like Haley said, we are on Back to John again, but do not get nervous with me up here again. Um, next week, we will be back to Jared, and all will be normal. But today, we're, we're, we're back to John. So let's get this thing going. So last week, we were on John chapter 14, and so this week, we are going to be on John chapter... Thank y'all so much. Our, our audio-visual team here at the Brick is on a different level, guys. They are top shelf. Um, those boys back there, they got us going good. Yeah, they're right. Uh, John 15. So here's what I want to do today. I want to read the first eight verses all together. And it's going to sound like a lot. And then I want to break them down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And I can't exhaust them. I'm not that smart. But I just want to like point out one or two things about each one of those that kind of stands out to me. And then we'll get out of here. But that's how I want to tackle this. So let's do John 15. And I'm going to try to speed read this. I know it's a lot. Verses 1 through 8. Here we go. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me also, um, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Eight, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you um, that your word will change us, and Lord, we are asking that you would help us to hide this in our heart so that we'd be more like you. Father, we're leaning heavy on you today, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's do it then. Verse 1, here we go. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Jesus is setting something up for us, and it is going to be the way that he is going to do and run his kingdom. So if you ever wonder what God's kingdom looks like or what God's way, God's way of doing things looks like, we're fixing to jump into it, and you're going to find out how God wants us to live life or what God's plan for life is. And the first thing he says is that I'm the vine, and the vine is where we're going to get our life from in life. Jesus said, I am the vine. The vine supplies all the life. He said, but that doesn't stop there. He's like, in this garden, there's not just a vine, but there's a gardener, and he's my father. And God is a good gardener. He watches over his garden really well. Have you ever had a garden? Maybe not. We, we, we tried to grow one, um, and it didn't turn out too good. Um, my wife told me that it was squash bugs that killed our garden, but I actually think it was no water that killed our garden. <laughs> I think that really got it before the bugs did. Um, uh, but uh, God's a good gardener. He waters his garden. Jesus is like, hey, this kingdom is a garden. It's a parable. It's a story. He's trying to get the light bulb to come on for us so we can understand the way he wants to do things, and he's setting up the roles 
in his kingdom. And he said, listen, I'm the vine. I'm where life comes from. You're going to be connected to me. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you joy. That's what's going to happen. But my father, he's not disconnected. He's not alone in heaven. He's not watching with judgmental eyes. He's a good gardener that watches over this garden. Some translations call him a vine dresser. Some translations call him a farmer, however you want to call it. God is a good gardener. Jesus is a good vine. And verse 2 kind of tells us where we're at. Verse 2, here we go. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. God is a good gardener. I chose this verse in the NIV on purpose. Um, A lot of other verses actually relay it more accurately, but I wanted to choose this. He cuts off every branch. We just started by talking about how Jesus is a good vine and God is a good gardener. And then verse 2 says, if you don't bear fruit, he cuts you off. That doesn't sound like a good gardener to me. Does it to you? No, it doesn't sound like a good gardener. It's not a good gardener. If you just don't have some apples on the limb, he's going to come and he's going to whack you off with a machete and he's going to throw you away. That doesn't sound like the gardener in the vine that we're already talking about right now. So then it kind of got my attention. Because here's the deal, guys. If you walk with God and you're connected to the vine, if anything rubs you wrong, you should dig deeper. Like if there's something that doesn't quite set with you right, you should dig deeper. So I dug a little deeper to find out what does it talk about when he cuts off. Well, he cuts off in the Greek, is actually the word aro. And the word aro doesn't mean to cut off. The word aro actually means to lift up, to raise, and to prop up. If a branch in God's garden doesn't produce fruit, God doesn't come in and just cut it off from the vine. God comes in, he looks at that branch because he knows there's a reason that that branch is down, and he picks that branch up, he holds it up, and what it means is, is that then he comes in and he connects that down branch to other branches, so until it can support itself, it is held up by the other branches that are connected to the vine. That is the gospel story right there. That's the whole gospel. There's a good God who is the farmer. There is a good Jesus who is the vine. And there are branches who are us. And if you ever fall down, NIV missed it. He doesn't cut you off. He picks you up, raises you up, and he puts you in community called church around other branches who are healthy. And he ties you to them until you can then be the branch that holds other down branches up. God is not the God that looks at a branch that is down and says, you know what? You got to go. You're not bearing fruit. It's time for you to bear some oranges or some carrots or whatever, uh, you know what I'm saying, and he, no, he doesn't do that, he props you up, I said he props you up, holds you up, like well, what do I do once I'm up, he puts you in community, so what's that community going to be like, it's going to be like a bunch of people that remember what it's meant to be that branch, so when you connect to them, they're going to pump you full of mercy and grace, you say how are they going to get that to me, because they're connected to the vine who is full of mercy and and grace. How are they going to know when I'm down? Because they are connected to a good father who is a good gardener who does not let his plants just stay down. He wants to prop them up. And I can see why the NIV once said cut off because as humans we can be petty like that. And if someone's not doing their job, there's people that I haven't called back because the last time I text them they left it on red and Ryan is petty. Like, I'm just, I'm just kind of like that. You know, I, sometimes it creeps up on me a little bit. But petty's not the fruit that we're supposed to be producing in his garden. Matter of fact, Galatians tells us what the fruit is. Let's check this out. Galatians chapter 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There is no law. So when I get to where I'm acting the way I'm acting, I've actually got to ask myself, Ryan, what garden do you want to be in? Like, because in God's garden, here is the fruit that's going to happen. You say, well, how am I going to produce that fruit? I mean, I can't, I can't go a day without being cranky. How am I, no, here's the deal. The fruit doesn't, the branch doesn't produce the fruit. The vine and the gardener who planted the seed produce the fruit. Our job is just to stay connected and stay faithful. How am I going to be any better than I am right now? You're just going to stay hooked up doing what you're doing. Just stay there. Stay faithful because when you stay faithful, you start producing fruit. The end of verse 2 says he prunes you so that you would produce more fruit. Then you produce more fruit and then you are just got more of all these things Galatians 5 says happening in your life and it seems impossible because I think the devil wants us to think that we can't ever get there. Here's how you get there. You stay connected to the vine. You just stay connected. Like, I'm still attending. I'm still serving. I'm still loving my wife. I'm still loving my kids. I'm still reading my scripture. I'm still giving. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still. And if it doesn't look like you're in a season to where God sees you, know this, that you're just in a pruning season, and a prune tree doesn't look like it's fruitful until you wait a little bit. And you just wait a little bit, and the next thing you know, it's producing more fruit than it was before. That is called love. That is called discipline that is called God wanting you to feel his life so he prunes you because he loves you and you just stay faithful I mean you stay faithful hooked up to the vine why you want to stay hooked up to the vine because the vine is what the gardener is looking at we stay hooked up to it verse 3 you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you Jesus is saying that God's word will clean you it cleans your soul Ephesians 5 26 and 27 talking about the church and Jesus. He said to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In God's garden, scripture is an authority. I said in God's garden, God's word will cleanse your soul. And when you're connected to the vine, You need to have his word in front of your face. That is how he has designed it. And here's why that's tough to do is because it's tough to keep doing the same thing when it loses a little bit of its luster. Like, you know, you've been doing this a while. You've been saved. You've been going to church. And God's word seems to get further and further and further away from us. And the next thing we know, we're bearing less fruit. and We can't figure out why. Here's why. God's word is an authority in Scripture. And in God's way of doing things and in God's garden, it is more about devotion than emotion. It is more about doing the things you know to do because they are right than it is about doing the things you want to do because they feel right or they feel good. Like, no one wants to vacuum the floor, but it needs to be vacuumed. No one wants to do the dishes, but dishes need done. Oftentimes, we don't want to do the things in God's garden. Maybe he's asked us to do, but we are not here to operate under the principle of emotion. It's devotion. We stay hooked up no matter. I'm just hooked up to this vine, and it could be a verse a day, it could be a verse a week, it could be a verse a month, but it's in front of you. And if you're a Bible junkie and you want to put your nose in the book, I get that. It, I mean, it could be several chapters a day. But here's the deal. You're producing your fruit in your garden that God has you in. But you've got to figure out what works for you. And God's word in this garden is an authority. Jesus is like, what does it look like to live in this garden? You've got to have his word in front of your face. It will clean your soul. Verse 4. 
remain in me also, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The way that we produce fruit is that we stay connected, we stay close, and we stay faithful. Remain just means to stay. I had a neighbor growing up, and her name was Sherry. And in Sherry's backyard, she had planted an apple tree. And that apple tree got big. As apple trees don't get that big, but it got big. It seemed I was like this tall. And I was like, man, that's a huge tree, and it was her backyard. And she planted it close enough to the fence as it got big enough, the apples would actually fall on our side of the tree. Or fence, that is. It, they would fall on our side of the fence. And I would go back there, and I would grab those apples, and I would wash them, and I would eat them. I don't remember what they tasted like. They were red, you know what I'm saying, like apples are sometimes. And I ate it, and I was like, man, this is really good. But I always wondered, I was like, is that really her apple, or is that my apple? Because, like, did I just steal Sherry's apples? Because <laughs> it, But it fell on my side of the fence. Well, um, the job of God's garden, when you produce fruit in your life is it for it to fall on your neighbor's side of the fence is it the people that you walk around and you live around that fruit that you're producing that patience and that gentleness and that kindness those things right there um, for those things to rub off on the people you're around and then when they ask you why you're like that you point back at the vine and you tell them about the gardener the fruit you produce in your life is not just for you it's for your neighbors it's for those close to you. It's for those down branches that they can see God work in your life and now they have a desire to come and be connected to the vine. The fruit we produce is not just ours. It belongs to the gardener. And the gardener wants us to get in close proximity with the world, not just to hide in our room, but to go out and be a part of this world so they can experience what fruit is like living in his garden. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is a whole lot like verse 4, but Jesus takes it a little bit farther. And he talks about how if you're not in me, you can't do anything. But if you're with me and you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. There's a scripture that says that you will know a person by their fruit. Scripture says that. But it doesn't come behind and say that we're good as humans at judging fruit. It says you'll know them by their fruit, but it doesn't give us a license to say that we can actually discern and interpret if that's God's fruit or not. Matter of fact, I think, especially in America, we're not the best at judging Christian fruit because we think success means fruitfulness. Like, you might look at someone's income, their car, their house, their social status, and you might say, hey, that is actually fruitful. And it doesn't mean that it's not, but we think success equals fruitfulness. And we're not good at judging fruit because God's fruit, when it is judged, you oftentimes look at pruned trees. You look at trees that he's been working on. You look at trees that he's been getting ready so they can produce more fruit. We would know someone by their fruit, but it doesn't mean we're good at it. Matter of fact, um, if you're taking notes, you can be close but not connected. You can be close, but not connected. I mean, you can come to church every week, but it doesn't mean you're connected to the vine. You could do all the rituals and all the things, but if you don't have that fruit producing in you, you might not be close to the vine. Have you ever ran into anybody outside of church that was supposed to be a part of church, and then their apple tasted like an onion? 
You ever ran into anybody that they were great in here? Maybe Susie. If your name's Susie, I'm not talking about you. That is not a word from God. I just picked that name. But maybe Susie, she knows how to do church. She even wears a dress or something. I don't know. She puts her hair up in a bun. Susie's good at church, but Susie's apples stink like onions because Susie is close. Like if we judge Susie's life, we'd say she's got it all together, but she's close, not connected. Because when you stay connected and you stay faithful, fruit happens. I said it just happens kindness starts to happen it is not an american virtue this is my wife's biggest one for our kids she wants to raise kind kids and i'm on board with that too um but sometimes kind kids get mistreated in public schools and then i sometimes don't want people to get it twisted that that kindness came from their mama not their daddy you know like there's two of us she picked that like i'm petty uh but you know what i'm saying like i, I don't but why are y'all doing that but anyways here's the deal that in god's garden God's going to produce his fruit. When we abide in him, we just stay connected. Not close. I said we stay connected. I said we stay connected. And if you don't feel like God has tried to prune you, grow you, disciple you, discipline you lately, I would start to look and see, man, am I actually connected? Like I'm going, but I'm connected. I'm giving, but am I, am I connected? Like am I all in? Am I faithful to the cause. Am I in God's garden and am I holding on to the vine? Verse 6. I don't like this verse. I think people, sometimes Christians, use this verse as a bat. Here we go. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So, the difference in verse 2 about the branch that they, the NIV said got cut off, that's actually a branch that they said got cut off that would abide in God. Verse 6 is talking about branches that do not abide in God. And it says that eventually those branches will wither. Then after they're withered, they'll get thrown into the fire. And that may be a truth. Um, but there's also another truth that I think Jesus is trying to get us to see that I think we should activate on. Jesus is trying to get us to see that there are branches out there that are not connected to the vine. And somebody has got to go out there and get them connected to the vine. When we were growing up, we played tag. I don't know if you played tag. My boys, my two sons, they play tackle tag. You're not it until you get tackled. Like, it's wild. Um, and I'm bigger than them still, so it's a cool game. But eventually, that game's going to get old. Um, but that's what we They play tackle tag. But we played tag. Uh, we played freeze tag. Y'all ever play freeze tag? No? You know, like, Here was base. I'll walk you through it. Here's base. You're playing tag, and if the person is it comes and tags you, you're froze. Hence the name freeze tag. Uh, but there's another level to freeze tag that we would play. I guess we got real bored. We called it uh, cartoon freeze tag. I don't know if you played that, but it's same kind of thing. Here's the base, and I'm over here, and I'm running around, and the guy that's it is going to come tag me, and then I say the name of a cartoon character, and I do one of their moves, and now they can't tag me. So it's Spider, Spider-Man, you know, or something like that, and then they can't tag me because cartoon freeze tag. I said I was something I wasn't in order to get them to avoid me. Um, uh, I actually think that... Uh, we are supposed to play um, uh, uh, cartoon freeze tag. I think verse 6 is not just talking about how there's people that then get thrown in the fire. I think verse 6 is talking about our job as branches on the vine to go out and unfreeze people who started to be something they weren't and they felt like they got stuck that way and now they do not feel like they can get back to the vine. Because how you got unfroze in cartoon freeze tag is someone from base would have to leave base and come tag you 
and now you are unfroze. And here's the deal. Christians don't do that because they feel like, well, what if I go and I go out there and I get froze too? John 15 says that if you abide in him, he abides in you. And if you got Donald Duck over here acting like some, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because he's over here and he feels so left out. He feels disenfranchised. And all of a sudden he called himself an addict. Got into a life that he wasn't called to and now he feels stuck and frozen over here. Well, how are you going to go get him? 15 says that if we abide in him, he abides in us. That means base goes with us when we go and get him. I said base goes with us. And we go over here. And I don't care who's it. I don't care what devil in hell, what demon in high places. It doesn't matter to me. I'm telling you, base goes with you. And you go out here. And yeah, that vine may one day, according to verse 6, get thrown away. But we have an opportunity while that vine is still here. Before that happens, we go out and we go and we get that vine. And we bring it back to base. And we remind it or tell it for the first time about a God who is a good gardener. And a Jesus who is a great nurturous vine. And he wants to pump strength into their life. We go out and we go get those things and those people, those branches that are stuck, that are withering, that feel like they're all on their own. We go and we go get them. This is the picture of God's kingdom. He said, I'm a gardener. My son is the branch. If you abide in him, you will be strong. You will have fruit. But you're not supposed to just stay right here. We're supposed to go together and get other branches that had fallen or broken off this, and we're going to engraft them back into the family. We're going to go get them. Come on now, we're not made for these seats. We're made to take what we get, and we're supposed to go get branches and invite them back in here. We're supposed to go get, we are goers by nature. And if you don't feel like you're being fulfilled, it's because deep on the inside of you, there was a goer planted as soon as you got saved. And God put something in you to go get other people like you. And if you're just here hands up and like this, and that's all you ever do in Christianity, you are never going to be fulfilled. Because there is a goer on the inside of you whose name is Jesus, and he wants you to go bear fruit and go win the lost and go get those branches before they burn, before they get thrown away, before they get trashed. Go get those things. That's what we've been called to that's the kingdom we've been planted that is the garden we live in if you want fulfillment go and let that fruit be in your life go get them verse 7 if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you verse 7 can get abused because people are like so i can just ask whatever i wish and god's gonna do it jesus is the genie three wishes no, that's not what it's saying. He put it in verse 7 on purpose. What he's saying in verse 7 is, is that if you will walk through 1 through 6, if you'll walk through 1 and 6, if you'll be the branch that was down that got propped up, that stay connected to the vine, that got strong and healthy so that other branches could be attached to you, you stayed faithful, you let the Father prune you, you let the Father grow you, you let the Father, the good gardener, lead you. And when you walk through this abiding period, now you're a part of my garden. And what's happened is, is it's not just that anything you can think of or wish that you just say it and God just going to make it happen. What's happened through the pruning process is now his desires have actually become your desires. Because you've been so connected to the vine and so connected to the garden that now what you want was actually what he wanted the whole time. And when you get to that point, that is when God is like, all right, you can do that. Last verse, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. Praise God. All I wrote down on verse 8 was the gardener loves a fruitful garden. Those are the first eight, first eight verses. And I think God wants to show us a lot. I just want to tell a story to you guys. A couple of years ago, um, my wife, she has uh, autoimmune disease. And a couple of years ago, because everything going on in life, 
it began to flare up and her body kind of turned against itself. And it was around Christmas time. And when it turned against itself, she started developing like wounds on her body, like open sores. And s some of them some just like, you c it's hard to even look at them. So it got bad enough that on Christmas day, she's like, I'm fighting through Christmas, but then I'm gone. I was like, babe, we'll go. We'll cancel Christmas. Like, we've got to get you well. She's like, no, I'm going to fight through the day. I'm like, you sure? So we get through Christmas, wake up the next morning, and I'm driving to Tallahassee, and I don't know where to go. And I'm like, God, what do you want us to do? And I felt like he told me what hospital to go to. I, I don't know. I just I went with what seemed right. We get to the hospital, and as soon as we get in the ER, they think she's going septic, so they rush her back to her room, get her on medicine and IVs, and they uh, take some uh, samples from the areas that were just like big wounds, so they, they couldn't get her pain under control, and then they're just taking stuff off of her body. Horrible, especially to be a husband watching. I can't imagine to be her. And so they pump us full of medication and say, listen, if you don't get better in a week, come back. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to send you, and you've got to get ultrasound. We've got to make sure that none of this is cancer, and then you've also got to get a wound care facility here in Tulsa. So we go to the wound care facility, and they're like, we don't know what to tell you. We don't know what's going on. Um, call us back. Like, really? They're like, no, we don't tell you. We go to the ultrasound, and they won't let me go back with her. And she's in there, and they do the ultrasound, and the nurse comes in, and she looks at the results, and she goes, i got to go get the doctor right now. And then Haley texts me what the nurse said, and I'm out there in the lobby, and I'm like, at that point, I don't, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm like, Jesus is, Christ is the big C, cancer is the little C. I just kept saying it to myself, Christ is the big C, cancer is the little C. Christ is the big C, cancer is the little C. The doctor comes back in, talks to Haley. She's all happy-go-lucky. She's like, oh, everything's just fine. You look just good. And I was like, we got to fire that nurse. Like, she needs to do something different. Uh, be a mailman, I'm not for sure, but she needs to do something where she can hurry because that's bad. Like, I mean, we were going through all this. Emotions already going crazy like this. Um, two days later, nothing that got better she'd only got worse she got worse and got worse and then we got to the hospital and we're going back up to the ER and they had told us that when you get back up here we'll get you right in because if you've got to come back we'll get you right in so we're driving up to that hospital I'm thinking we're about to get right in and we're going to get some help they're finally going to figure out what's going on and I tell the lady behind the desk everything that happened and she said sir you got a 24-hour minimum I was like where are we supposed to go She's like, you're supposed to stay here for 24 hours. There wasn't an empty seat in the place. In between the first time she was there and the second time, there was a COVID jump, and the place was crazy. People fighting in front of me, just mad. I, I mean, they're hurting, and their family's hurting. There wasn't a seat anywhere. I went and stole a seat, God forgive me, and the guy got up to go to the bathroom, and he came back, and his seat was gone. But my wife needed somewhere to go. I'm sorry I did that. But I took it, and we got, found a hallway where there was only a few, four or five people in it, and we sat down the hallway, and I set her down, and she's trying to fall asleep, and they won't get her back there. They said she's just going to make it for 24 hours, and she is not doing good in pain, and she's I don't, know, I don't know if she's passing out or she's falling asleep, and I'm just trying to prop her up, and I can't get anybody to help. So I'm like, what am I going to do? So I'm calling everyone that I know that prays, and I'm calling them. I'm like, man, we got to do something about this. And I call Jared. I'm like, Jared, what are we going to do, man? He's like, I don't know. We just got to just stick to what we know. And I look, and I say, all right, I'm going to pray. I get off the phone, and I look to God. I said, God, I did not think this is what it meant to be in this garden. Like, we are not out of faith, but I feel like I am a down branch right now, and we need you to do something. So I get on the phone, and I call the wound care facility. I'm like, guys, can we just come over there where y'all are at, and y'all just kind of watch her? Like, sir, we're full. We can't do anything like that. I was like, well, can y'all help me get her in here? Like, something. Like, this place is, like, post-apocalyptic right now. It is crazy, but I just need some help. And the lady on the phone was super nice, but she was like, we can't do anything for you. And she hung up. 
and Haley's in and out of being awake, and I'm over there, and uh, I'm just trying to fight through it. I had to go to the bathroom for three hours, but I wasn't losing my seat, and uh, sitting there, and then uh, I get a call. I think it was an hour later, and it was a lady from the wound care, and she called me, and she said, Ryan. I was like, yes, ma'am. She's like, we got you some help, and my spirit just lifted up. I was like, who's helping? I said, who's helping? She said, well, while we were on the phone, there was a gentleman that walked by and overheard me talking to you, telling me, telling you that we could not help you. I was like, okay, what does that mean? She's like, well, he's already headed over there. I was like, well, who is he? She's like, well, his name is Charles. I was like, yeah, man, that's cool, but what does Charles do? Like, what, what does Charles do? I, need, I mean, if he's coming, what, because they're telling me I can't get anywhere. What does Charles do? She said, Charles is over the whole ER. I was like, he's what? She's like, Charles is the boss's boss. So I get on the phone, and all I remember is talking, I remember talking to Jared and I think my brother, but I'm like, Charles is coming. And they're like, what does that mean? I was like, I don't know, but he's on his way. Charles is on his way, and we needed some good news, and we'll take Charles. So Charles is on his way. I get off the phone. I kind of wake Haley up, and I'm like, hey, um, I, I think God is moving. Let's, I think God is moving. And then sure enough, two nurses with an IV, a guy with a wheelchair, and here came Charles pushed him in and said, Mr. Gray. I said, yes, sir. It's like, we're going to get you some help today. Put her in a wheelchair, push her through all those nurses that said they couldn't help us. We go through that um, main waiting room at the ER, and it was full, and I felt bad for all of those people. But I put my head down, but I don't know who their gardener is. And I just went through, and we walked. Cleaned out a family waiting room just for us. Put a bed in there because they didn't have any beds. Favor is not fair. Put us in there. Begin to work. Charles started calling specialists. Three specialists came through. Next day, we're discharged with a game plan on how to get her better. And she has not had a flare-up since. What? Yeah. Here's the reason I told you that story. is because God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. But there's always another branch. I said there's always another branch. There's somebody that the vine knows that you do not know. And when you're connected to him and they're connected to him, that branch can call on that, uh, that vine can call on that branch and that branch can come pick you up when you're down and they'll hold on to you till you get well. What does it feel like to be in God's garden? It feels like people who are bearing fruit coming alongside you when you are at your lowest point and showing you the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ like you have never felt it and in one moment you're asking God, does this garden even feel like that? In the next moment he's answering anything you wish because the gardener is a good gardener and anything you think about your father that you don't see in Jesus is a lie. He is a good gardener and Jesus is full of life and full of help and then two weeks later tens of thousands of dollars of doctor bills came in and we're trying to figure out how to pay these off and two more branches showed up and paid them all off guys that's what it looks like and that's my story I don't know yours I tell yours I don't know it but I want you to have a story I want you to have a story about a father is a good gardener about a Jesus who is a life-giving vine and about you who are his branches. Would you bow your heads today? 
We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.